0: I am your host, Lee W. Johnson, and welcome to my podcast where I talk about all things related to magic, witchcraft, demonolatry, and a whole load of other related things. If you would like to find out more about me, get in touch with me, or hire me for a service, please go to my website, leewjohnson.com, or check out my link tree in the description of this podcast. to my channel i am lee johnson and if you are new here uh or if you're not and you haven't subscribed yet please subscribe and hit the notification bell and do all the usual stuff um you can give me a thumbs up helps the algorithm and you can comment and because i love hearing from people and share if you can to anybody who may be interested all right so uh to start with usual personal announcement stuff Um, I was messing around last week with some audio. So I don't know if anybody's watched my healing half hour. Um, I usually do what's called spontaneous singing, which is really just noises coming out of my mouth, um, letting the energy flow where it needs to flow and things like that. Um, And a lot of people find it very helpful, relaxing, um, healing and stuff like that. So what I did, I recorded just a short track about three or four minutes and I just was messing around with um, reverb and um, you know different sound effects and things like that so did that it ended up being quite good I enjoyed it I liked it so what I did I went and created a Bandcamp uh, account so I'm going to start doing more of that and I can also do record um, uh, guided meditations, path workings, and things like that. So, I, as I said, I've got a Bandcamp account now. So if you would like to go onto that, if you go to the link tree um, in the description below, you'll find that. I'll put the link up the top here. Um, so you can go you can go on there if you're feeling generous you can uh, give me a dollar or more if you like if you're feeling very generous um but uh, what i'll do i'll i'll put that track here now so you can just listen to it and then after that we'll go into the main portion of this video which is about the watchers so hope you enjoy it oh.
1: Ti anon lo io Show me
0: Okay, the watchers. Now the reason I'm doing this video is because um, the marvellous um, and lovely Witch of wonderlust created a video last week uh, called About the Watchers. It was titled About the Watchers and unfortunately it had nothing to do with the Watchers and that was not mentioned at all. Now what troubles me here is that anybody who has come across the concept or idea of the Watchers in passing conversation on groups and such things, may have then gone and tried to explore and um, study a bit further on what the watches are. And if they came across the Witch of Wonderlust's video, the searching would have probably stopped there, knowing human nature, because she has a subscriber list of over 400,000 people on her YouTube channel. And when I watched it on Saturday, um, it had only been up for four days, and it had already had over 44,000 um, views. Uh, there's lots of fours in here, there's also 4,000 and something likes, um, so there might be a numerical significance to that, I haven't looked into it, but uh, there could be. Um, now the video was about basically disembodied, or started off uh, being about disembodied entities that kind of stand in the corner and just watch you. Um, Knowing, you know, somebody like the Witcher of Wunderlist, I don't know her, but, you know, saying somebody like her, I would think would be aware of what the Watchers are and what these entities are, Um, but for some reason she chose to name them the Watchers. And it, doesn't stop there. It then goes on to explaining that these disembodied uh, entities were then draining energy. They were parasites, and she says that um, she calls them the Watchers, but she doesn't want other people call them. Uh, this is just one big thing in magic and witchcraft communities. We have these things called astral parasites. We deal with them all the time. It's why we put up protection when we um, start doing magic. We kind of, the light bulb shines and, you know, we start to build up energy and things like that. And these astral parasites are attracted to us because it's like a moth to a flame. Um, And I talk about astral parasites quite a bit on this channel. But being somebody like that, I would assume, I would think that they already know this um, and they already know what the watches are so i'm not sure why she decided to term or title the video and these entities the watches i mean she could have chosen the observers something like that but uh, i think it's a bit misleading um so i wanted to talk about what the watches are just to clear up any misunderstandings obviously there won't be as many people watching this video at this moment um uh, that's a bit unfortunate but anyway so the watchers really come f- or they're are a biblical thing um they are quite basically the fallen angels um they are mentioned in the book of jubilees they are also mentioned in the book of daniel in the book of daniel they are really known as being good watchers and this actually extends from um nebuchadnezzar's dream and its scholars suspect that um, the Watchers mentioned in the dream by Nebuchadnezzar I find that name very difficult to pronounce. (laughs) Um, They were most probably his Babylonian gods um, that he followed. Um, The main body of work where the Watchers are mentioned are the books of Enoch. And there are three books of Enoch. So the first book talks about the fall of the Watchers. The second book goes into more description of the Watchers and starts to call them Grigori. I'll get into that just now. And book three really gives attention to the unfallen angels. So the Watchers were sent to Earth to watch the humans. Uh, just to keep an eye on them. Um, but what happened was the one of the leaders, Shemyaza, decided that they should all defect. And so they all decided to do this. They all defected, and they started to teach humans um, a lot of skills. Uh, these are skills that they probably would have, uh, we would have probably um, developed and discovered over time, but they kind of we kind of got it all in one one big foul swoop. So the watchers started teaching um, all these different kinds of skills. Azazel, for instance, taught uh, metallurgy, how to create weapons and things from metal, and also taught cosmetics. Um, And others taught uh, mirrors, how to make mirrors. Um, Some taught sorcery. So there were a whole lot of things that these watchers taught humans. And during that process they kind of fell in love with human women and they decided to procreate with human women and the result of that was the nephilim and the nephilim are basically a race of giants and this is how you know, we you know we've all heard of the great flood from um, what the bible and biblical texts um so this is why the great flood came about was because god decided that uh, he needed to wipe out this, this uh, abomination, the nephilim, the, the giants that were created from this union. Um, so that really is the Watchers. There's a lot of lore behind it and you'll find that there there is mention of this in various different ways throughout different cultures. I mean, even if you look into the Great Flood, um, there's the Great Flood story in a lot of different uh, texts and diff- from different cultures. Now, what is interesting is that this word "Gregory" that was given to the Watchers um, in uh, 2 Enoch um, is actually a Slavic word, but it it's, uh, has its root in the Greek e- Egregori and we talk about the Egregore quite a bit, um, you know, being these entities which are created from um, uh, groups of people who are following the same thing, talking about the same thing, believing the same thing, and this um, cloud or body of energy develops over them and it becomes an Egregore, uh, which is very much a type of God. Um, what I think I'll do, I'll get more into the and um, There's a lot of resources I just need to double check because uh, the Egregore is a rather big topic. Um, but I'll try and get the nuts and bolts of that and really talk about it. There was also a question on one of my videos uh, in the comments about the Egregore, so I'll include all of that into um, a discussion about them. Um, now, obviously, when it comes to the Watchers, there are some rather interesting tales and stories and think people are coming up with some quite fantastical things. There is, for instance, the, a book called The Secret History of the Watchers by Timothy Wiley. And um, in the blurb to the book, uh, it's a long blurb, I'm just reading a little bit of it. It states that after Lucifer's Rebellion 203,000 years ago, Earth and 36 other planets were quarantined from the large multiverse. One of the rebel angels named Georgia was permitted to remain on Earth as a watcher. The book is about Georgia as she shares her personal account. Okay, so that does seem to fall quite far out of the realm of the actual law but as i said there's some people come up with some fantastical stuff um there's also an argument um which is that the the watchers are actually based on the mesopotamian words mesopotamian antediluvian sages and they were called the apcalis um they were known to have connection with the demonic and to practice sorcery, and so they became demonized by many Jewish authors. So, you know, there's a there's a lot of um, there's a lot of scholarly work out there which is very interesting about the Watchers. Um, there's also a lot of lore coming from different cultures which talk about um, a a group of beings which came to earth and uh, created a race of giants. Um, you know, we, we find stories and lore about races of giants throughout history and throughout different cultures. So there's a lot we can actually explore with this. Um, so if you did, by any chance, happen to come across uh, the video by the Witch of Wonderlust um, don't let your explorations end there. Um, you know, I know she has a big following, and that kind of puts it out there that uh, she is an authority on these topics. Um, the video was completely, like, you know, I could have understood if she talked about these entities which she's experienced, and she just called them the Watchers because they stood there and they watched. Um, but then also got, went on to explain that um, there is. group of beings called the Watchers or the Grigori um, from law and from history but she didn't Um, so as I said people who are trying to do some study do some exploration into what the Watchers were probably come across this video because it's going it's going to get up there in the rankings And that's where their study ends because of somebody with such a big following is just considered to be an authority. Um, But unfortunately, it wasn't actually anything to do with the Watchers. All right, so I'm going to stop that there. This is the Ask Lee slot and I'm Lee, so you're asking me. There we go. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. (laughs) Um, Okay, so as always, uh, the Ask Lee slot is where you can ask a question and I'll answer it on um, a video on one of these slots. And uh, So if you could ask your questions, that would be most appreciated. In the comments to one of the Ask Lee videos, or if you're listening listen on the podcast or watching on Instagram, in the comments uh, on that platform. Um, and yeah, please ask us, otherwise, we may run out of questions, and then I'm just going to have to change this whole slot to something different. Um, all right, so today's question is probably going to be a bit of a quick one, actually. It comes from blades. Uh, What is consecration? When would it be appropriate? When would it not be appropriate? All right, so consecration is very basically performing ritual acts on an object or tool which would separate it from the profane world or this mundane world, uh, I like to call it the profane world, and making it sacred. Alright, so this you find a lot in any form of magic which is ceremonially based. Uh, so you will find it in Wicca, most of the Neo Pagan past actually, because a lot of them originate from Neo Wicca uh, nowadays anyway, um, which have a ceremonial magic basis. Um, and you know. The whole premise with this, and looking into ceremonial magic itself, is that we need to separate the spiritual from the material. Um, So what we're doing is we are taking particular items, particular objects, uh, whether they be tools of your own craft, um, so you would have your dagger or your athame, um, you would have your sword, your wand, um, any staffs, um, any kind of uh, ritual tools, cauldron, um, let's see what else, The chalice. Um, you can even separate a bowl for libations, um, a bowl to hold salt in, um, anything which you will be using within your magical practice. And, you know, this separates, as I said, in ceremonial magic, it's all about separating the material from the spiritual. Um, And therefore, you are separating your magical life from your mundane or profane life. Now, where is this appropriate and where is it not appropriate? If you are following a magical path which is ceremonially based, then it becomes appropriate. Um, And I would even say necessary. If, however, you are following a more traditional witchcraft path, um, you'll find that a lot of times this is not done. Uh, For a lot of people who are following that path, they do um, consecrate, purify, bless particular items to work with in their craft, specifically in their craft. Um, But, you know, if you consider the old uh, witch in the forest, um, or even just plain old folk magic. A lot of the time, the items that were used were just taken out of the kitchen. You needed a knife to cut um, a bunch of weeds, or, um, you know, you needed a mortar and pestle to grind your herbs. You usually found it in the kitchen. Uh, you needed a cauldron, it was the cooking pot. Um, you know, way back when, couldn't really afford uh, multiple cooking pots so the pot that was used to cook the food in was also the pot that was used to use as a cauldron in particular rituals um, and also to brew up the um, which is brews um, the herbal teas and um, things like that you know so they probably didn't have all these separate items that they could use and they could take one and make it sacred and, and pull it out of the profane world and make it specifically uh, sacred for ritual use. Um, it was just, you needed a tool, go into the kitchen, go wherever, you know, you you needed to sweep out negativity from your house, take the broom, you need to step between the worlds, take the broom, you know, the besom was, was the besom, it was the broom that you kind of did everything with. Um, so, you know, we have had this development um throughout the centuries uh, into ceremonial magic where again i'm saying we have to separate the material from the spiritual and that then becomes a question of what do you practice do you practice a do you follow a practice which does require you to separate the material from the or the profane from the spiritual or do you practice um a path which um, encompasses all of it um, you know the the profane is part of the spiritual um, your magical life is part of your normal everyday life and personally I think that should be the case we should we shouldn't be separating the two they do form I mean it's it's just part of a whole we have a body and we have a spirit and, you know it's here yeah, until we die that's the only time we're going to separate um, Well technically speaking. Um, There are other times, (laughs) i get into that now. Uh, So, you know, again, what what are you practicing? What is your own personal belief? What is your own personal practice? And that will answer the question of, is it appropriate or is it not appropriate or when is it appropriate or not appropriate to consecrate an item? Um, Even if you are practicing uh, something which does envelop all of these aspects so it doesn't separate the material from the spiritual um, and you know brings everything into unison and balance then there may still be items that you want to separate. Um, As I said coming back to to the cauldron, um, we can nowadays have more than one pot so we can have a pot in our kitchen to cook something in we can have a pot to brew herbal teas in and we can have a a pot or a cauldron that we can use within our ritual practice. Um, So, you know, we can have all those items, therefore we can consecrate an item uh, to use within our magical workings. Um, but, But, you know, it just really is personal um so that is consecration as i said this is probably going to be a quick one it's a very quick one um just trying to think if there's anything else i can add to that no not really it's quite simple and straightforward and basic i think um so just to repeat consecration is taking an object and making it sacred removing it from the profane world um but in some cases you may consider that not to be a necessity because you are of the understanding that the material and the magical are all part of the one big mishmash world so or you may think that or consider that um, separating the material and the spiritual is a necessity in your own personal path so it all comes back to that Okay, so that's it for this week, and uh, if you are around on Friday, this Friday at 5pm GMT, uh, join us on the Black Hat chat. We are discussing fate versus free will again, and I think this is going to be a very, very interesting one. Um, So get the popcorn and come and enjoy, and uh, join us in the live chat. Okay, so I'll see you then, or I'll see you next week. Have a good one. Cheers for now. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by, well, myself, Lee W. Johnson. To find out more about me, please visit my website at leewjohnson.com or check out my link tree in the description of this podcast. If you like the video format, then subscribe to my YouTube channel where I also host a live show every Friday with Rev Kai called The Black Hat Chat just two witches chatting about traditional witchcraft and other topics that's me for this week hope to hear from you soon thanks for listening